Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. So today I have an amazing guest. Why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, tell us a bit about what you do. Hi, I'm Emma Warford. I have an Instagram and TikTok called M's Food Mems. And I'm from Colorado and I'm 17. And I'm like most other teenagers. I like being outside and hanging out with friends and playing with my dogs. But I'm also in recovery from an eating disorder, obviously. So that's a little bit about me. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of inspired you to start your TikTok and Instagram? Because I know you've gained um, like quite the traction on there over the past few months. Um, so I just started. Well, that was not English. So I decided to start my Instagram account because I had to send pictures to my dietitian on recovery record. And I honestly really didn't like doing it. So I was like, might as well do it for fun and post them online too, you know? And that's kind of how my Instagram started. And then after I got discharged from treatment, I was finally in a good enough spot where I was like, okay, I can start a TikTok account and maybe film what I eat in a days because it's actually like what I'm supposed to be yeah. eating. And I'd be promoting recovery and not fake recovery. So, and I had seen a lot of people like Sophie and other people start them so I was like yeah. I might as well start one and then it kind of just took off from there yeah well I just want to say this is a little bit off topic but you were like the first recovery account I actually like looked into because when I started recovery the first week I was completely alone my mom was just like okay like don't run just gain weight and I was like okay <laughs> um and then I went hypermetabolic and I was like what is going on so I started looking up all these accounts and your video was like the first ones that would pop up when I would um, like look up because I had had my account before but it wasn't like recovery I didn't yeah. pull that in um, and then I had seen yours and I was like okay like I don't know it inspired me I saw like okay she's like a very just she's consistent she's not promoting anything bad like she's not toxic she's chill so you're like one of the first accounts so thank you for being like such a positive person um, in this space because there's definitely a lot of like people who we don't we don't need to see what you're posting. There's definitely a toxicity in the recovery community, which yeah. is really yeah. sad, honestly. But Yeah, so you had mentioned that once you're in a better place, you started that. So before, were you at like a treatment center then? Yeah, so I started outpatient in January of 2021. And then I started inpatient in May of last year, not this year. And then I started res in June. And then I was discharged to IOP in October with, so I went from children's hospital to eating recovery center, and then I'm back in outpatient now. So. Wow. So you've gone through like all the programs. They are. I, I can be like a review for everyone. If you need recommendations. <laughs> no, I, literally. I one time found a human fingernail in my oatmeal at treatment. I was just about to ask if you had any horror stories like that's awful yeah but besides that it was good my I actually met someone there my best friend Gracie and Aww. she's flying here from South Carolina tonight to stay wow with that's so fun that's so exciting yeah very fun <laughs> so do you mind kind of sharing what because I know every person has a different reason why they started like toxic things and started going down that bad path um but was there anything specific that kind of led you to an eating disorder I think the primary thing was quarantine just because literally same 
Yeah. And mental health recently, I think it's like can hospitals are still continuing to see an increase like year to year and children's hospital declared a state of emergency mid quarantine because wow. of so that was a just for mental health and i think that was a big contribution because i was alone not doing anything yeah and i just started monitoring my food intake yeah. plus being online everyone's like you should eat this amount of food and do this yeah and lose weight even though half of that is totally BS. Exactly. Wow. Um, school started up in the fall and I, I did a lot. I had a job. I volunteered at a hospital and at a library and I played on two volleyball teams. I was taking all APs and I just used my ED as a coping mechanism. Yeah. It's like the, the overstimulation, like I need to do more and be more and do as much as I can. And to be even better because that's not even enough. You know, I need to control my food. Like, yeah, yeah. I think that's what a lot of people struggle with. And yeah. a lot of people with eating disorders are really similar because we're- They're all type A. Yeah. They're all like, high achieving and- Good grades their whole life, yeah. want to please the parents. Yeah, yeah. And then, so since we're in quarantine, like this is like, people didn't really notice my eating disorder, obviously, because it's so hidden. Did people notice what was going on in your life? My, my close friends knew just because mm. like visually they could see me regress. Yeah. And I mean, I was pretty open about it too, just because it impacted me so much. And I was missing a lot of school when we started to trans transition back to in-person mm. and um, I actually had teachers like commenting about like why I wasn't at school and that's how a lot of people found out yeah 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 <laughs> and then was there a specific moment that someone kind of just said like you need to recover or was that all you on your own I think it was a definitely a process to get to mm. the point of I need to recover um, I think one of the main realizations I had was, especially because uh, I had to go to treatment in Washington due oh, to the yeah. waiting list and they had no visitors. I didn't get phone calls and I was just like, I want to go home. So I think that was a main influence for why I decided to recover yeah. in that moment, which any reason to recover is a good reason to recover in the short exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then was there a moment that people, like, what was the turning point? People weren't as worried about you and you're like, okay, I can see the light. Even if it's far, like there is a light at the end. Hmm. Trying to think. I think, I think one of the main turning points in my recovery is when I got discharged into PHP and I went and got carrot cake with my mom. And that was just kind of a turning point because it was like the first little bit of freedom I had and challenge, like true challenge to myself. And it was a good memory for me. So. Oh, that's good. That's good. And then I know certain people have different motivators, um, activities, sports, hobbies. Do you have something like that that keeps you going and like, this is why I continue to recover? There's a lot of reasons I choose recovery every day. Honestly, one of them is food freedom, just because. Period. 
<laughs> it's it's so nice to be able honestly peanut butter is like my favorite thing in the world and that's something I've reconnected with in my recovery yeah and I think sometimes I'm like I don't ever want to have to go through that process I had to get like I had to go through to get comfortable with the foods yeah. that I in because it was so deteriorating and also seeing the impact of my eating disorder on my family mm -hmm. I was an inpatient when my sister graduated and like everyone was asking about me and not focused on her yeah and I just didn't want to be selfish in a way even though I was prioritizing myself so that influenced me so yeah definitely the further I am into recovery I look back and I think like wow this was like destroyed my family for a while just you know we were going to like in and out the other day and my stepdad goes what are you gonna get and I was like a burger like what, what else should I get? That's all I have on the menu is burger and fries. And I just realized like the impact of the damage I've done. It's really like, it's hard to mend and it's sad. And it keeps me like healing every day because I don't want to recreate that ever again. You know? Yeah. My mom always says like, I will not let you go back. Even if you want to go back, I will <laughs> not let you go back. So yeah. Yeah. And then, um, how was returning to school? Because if like you miss school, obviously, and then were people understanding or was it kind of like whispered about in the halls? I, before I came back to Colorado, well, like the day before I came back, I made a post on Instagram saying mm. I was coming back to Colorado finally. And I transitioned slowly to school. I only took four classes and all my teachers knew but honestly, the people were really supportive of me. Like people were telling me they were so proud of me in the oh, hall, good. like comforting me. And I have a close group of friends so they were able to look after me. And yeah. That's great. School is definitely daunting. Like oh, yeah. I've only shared with a few people. Um, I mean, like I didn't miss any school. So people have seen me progress. So it's kind of obvious to people, I think yeah. if they're just tapped in even a bit, but definitely like, the thought of everyone in my school just knowing just like freaks me out because people are no mercy sometimes. Yeah, I everyone in my school practically knows I have an eating disorder because I mean, I've been on the news and yeah, I post on my Instagram a lot and people repost my stuff on my food account sometimes. Oh, wow, yeah. I just hope they don't find my TikTok. And if you're listening, don't stalk my TikTok. Guys. One one kid in my grade, like a boy, found my TikTok and I screamed. I was like, <laughs> I don't know who. So I blocked him. But the funny thing is, like, he's a foodie. He has a food Instagram that my whole school knows about. So I'm kind of like, if he finds it on a different account, I think I'm going to let him find it because I feel like we could connect on that. But I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> if he finds it, like, when I post videos and then I go to, like, my account where I follow like school people all every single post from my like recovery account shows up on my free page I was like this is bad like someone if I'm finding myself just like so fast then someone else is yeah and I'm know. like I feel like they won't understand or will think I'm weird for posting what I post yeah yeah my cousin found it and she's like so I found your account a while ago, but she was asking me because she has a friend with an eating disorder and she's like, I need help. So in that like scenario, I'm grateful she found it and is now knows my situation, like asks me. Um, 
but I don't know. Definitely people finding social media is like scares me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you did an interview with your school, right? Where you shared your story. Um, how, how was that whole process and like telling everything? So my school has a news broadcast called RCTV and they wanted to interview me about my eating disorder because I, I mean, I had been open about it on my social media. I think that was right after I got made a patient ambassador for children's hospital. Mm. So they would just wanted to learn about that. And honestly, like help spread awareness because I know a lot of people in my school struggle with eating disorders. So in any way they could help, that was part of it. And also it was, it was partially for a project. So, (laughs) but then they put it on the news too. And a lot of people reached out to me afterwards, opening up about their eating disorders and the broadcast actually went on and won a bunch of like film festivals and things, which I thought was pretty cool. (laughs) That is cool. Wow. Yeah. Uh, It was kind of awkward to film because I had to like, so this is my life story. (laughs) Definitely. And then, so would you say um, when you share your story with people, just either on your accounts or, you know, at school interviews, would you say your biggest motivation is to impact people and help them in any way? I really, in, t- in telling my story, I really want people to be aware of eating disorders and how important mental health is. Yeah. I never really tell my story to other people with eating disorders just because it can be really triggering, you know? Yeah, yeah. But really telling it to other people just so they understand and realize like eating disorders aren't a choice. They're an actual mental. They're real. Like they're, and we can just cut it out. Yeah. And I, you know, in health class, you hear about them, um, you know, and I never actually knew of anyone with an eating disorder in my life until I was the one with an eating disorder. And it's like, wow, like this is real. And then hearing from other parents who've connected with my mom and like their kids. And it's just so crazy. People's world is so small until all of a sudden someone with an eating disorder, like, you know, them, and then all of a sudden your, your world is brought into the the reality of mental health and the crisis behind it. And so definitely spreading awareness. That's something that I've seen you do a lot. um, And I think that like you're doing a lot, you're, you're moving mountains by doing that. (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned you were a patient ambassador for Colorado hospital, Colorado children's hospital, right? Yeah. So um, after I got done with IOP, I had heard about patient ambassadors before So I kind of reached out to them about it, just Mm. seeing like what it was. And they reached out to me and they were like, we'd love to have you just because my story emphasizes a lot of the mental health issues that are going on right now, like waiting lists and having to go out of state for treatment, the concept of failing up in treatment and um, just like the condition I was in. So that's what I'm doing with them now. I'm helping them fundraise. And they also have a government affairs team that creates government policies and proposes bills. And so I'm working with them to help press some bills in through national and state Congress. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. And then you, the other day, got to share your story. Um, 
to a very special set of people. So tell us a bit about that. So on June 12th, it was Family Advocacy Day. And basically Children's Hospital and I went and talked to Congress, members of the U.S. Senate and House of Representatives about three bills they're trying to pass through. So H.R. 4493, H.R. 4494, and H.R. 7936, I think. And basically one of them's for like a billion dollars of funding and the other one's for $500 million of funding for mental health. And it'd be a grant program where communities can reach out and get funding. And so I went with them and basically kind of pitied the congressman because congressmen can be a little harsh sometimes and get wrapped up in their party's affiliations and not understand like actual issues. So Mm, I kind of helped humanize and put a face to the mental health crisis and I did not answer any questions about the policy because I honestly know nothing about the policy. You have the the numbers memorized though. you have the names memorized. That's because they're easy to remember and I heard them so many times that day. (laughs) You mentioned putting a face to the mental health crisis. I love that because like as I said you never actually realize it's true until you know someone facing it and like I kind of talk about with other people, people in America, we don't know like um, living in a third world country and we don't have the food and water availability because we've never had to face it. And so I think when people go to third world countries and they go on mission trips, it really like helps you empathize and see like, this is actually what people are going through. It's not just a written story. Like it's an actual problem. And so that's that's so cool when I saw that you got to share your story I was like this is wow someone's like (laughs) doing big things for the eating disorder community yeah Yeah. so that was at a national level and then this fall they invited me to go with them to the state level so that'll be fun because if COVID wasn't a thing I would have been able to fly out to Washington DC with them but because they're like give an eating disorder just in case we don't want to get you sick so (laughs) We're keeping you at home. It's like, ah. So Zoom calls all day long. So you, so you did it over Zoom then? Yeah. And I met with like primarily Colorado people, some in California and I don't know, like Jason Crow. I think he was like my representative. I don't even know. He's really nice though. I remember that. That's so cool. So I know that you're a big advocate for mental health. How can people you know, just in their everyday lives, advocate for the importance of mental health? One thing I really suggest you do for advocacy is to be vulnerable and open up about your struggles, Mm. because if we talk about them, then it won't be something stigmatized and something people are ashamed of. And it'll also bring more understanding to it. And also with vulnerability becomes, uh, forms a level of connection between people because they understand what you're going through and can relate to your issues. Um, On policy side, if you can call your (laughs) congressman and honestly tell them to support mental health bills because mental health honestly needs it. And there's actually gonna be a big push for mental health in the next two weeks. So it'd be pretty crucial to get going on that if you can. Yeah. Besides that, just that's all I can think of, honestly. <laughs> I think definitely talking to be more open because 
everyone craves an authentic vulnerable space but no one creates that space because everyone's scared so definitely just taking away like the the stigma of like being so shallow like you know start start the conversation um and then what advice would you give to your younger self um going through recovery specifically cater to you honestly I would tell my younger self to learn the facts of recovery Mm -hmm. just because I didn't understand why recovery had happened and I also really didn't think recovery existed I didn't think it was possible I didn't heard any success stories when I was in recovery yeah just because somehow I missed all of that and I really didn't think it was possible and I didn't understand that I needed to get better I thought I had a choice but in reality you really don't have a choice in recovery if you're not actively choosing recovery you're just slowly dying and you know like that's that's the the raw truth I always say you have three choices either you can choose recovery someone can force you into recovery or your body can choose recovery for you so yeah I like that um And then do you have any advice for people going through the intense first stages of recovery, the first couple months? The first couple months of recovery are definitely hard. One of the things I really relied on was distractions in those times. Yeah. Just because that helps your anxiety a lot. And when you're less anxious, you can think more clearly and logically and kind of turn down the ED thoughts. So just do things you love, like watching Netflix or taking a small, 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 non-excessive walk and just allow yourself the room to calm down if you need it. So, yeah. yeah. And then how can people support their friends who maybe have an eating disorder or even struggle, but don't talk about it? I would say try to educate yourself as best mm. you can. Try to do research. Don't get too obsessive over it, obviously. Yeah. And if you're comfortable, try asking them about it in small ways. Like if you see them struggling with something, try to learn the facts behind it of like why they are doing it or why they're afraid, not necessarily like what they're thinking. And just try to validate them and make them feel less alone because when I was in those stages, I felt pretty alone. And that's definitely what I needed during those times. Yeah. Who, who is your biggest support during those times? I would say my biggest support is my best friend, my other best friend, Catley. Um, We met a long time ago and she's just a model of food freedom. And she is just always there for me and initiates bids for connection and We'll do anything and hang out when I'm anxious or pick me up to go get ice cream in the middle of the night. So that's awesome. I've said so, so many times in this episode. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I repeat words a lot too, because it's hard to like form sentences on the spot and keep them yeah. flowing and everything, but you know, you're doing good. Um, and then <laughs> I have a couple of fun closing questions. So one is not related to like eating disorders at all. One is. Um, so what is your biggest like pet peeve within people in the eating disorder community? Because I definitely have some that I see. In the eating disorder online. community? Or- yeah, you know, on TikTok or like Instagram. One of my biggest pet peeves 
are people that say they're recovered but are not recovered physically. That's one of my biggest No, literally. Okay, guys, quick biology lesson with Emma. Weight restoration. You need to completely restore weight to your growth chart. You can't just restore to a healthy BMI. And, you know, every single time you post a what I eat in a day, you're talking and not gaining weight, you are restricting. So yeah. that's my biggest pet peeve, I think. Yeah. Or people yeah. that comment on your recoveries, like they don't know about like what you've gone through and are just like, so quick to judge you know they'll be asking such specific things and saying such specific things I'm like well how would you know like I post a 30 second video like four times a week on here like who are you to judge literally people can be so brutal on TikTok I it's something with TikTok people are wild literally yeah I don't know like people people are on something else on there I don't even know (laughs) literally and then uh, what would be your last meal on earth? Like your deathbed meal? <laughs> oh my goodness. I would probably have a burger, with sweet, potato fi- sweet potato fries, and then carrot cake for dessert. Mm. And then yeah. I think that'd be it. Probably like a milkshake or something too. Yeah. You know, yellow. Yeah, exactly. Get I think off. when I think about it, you know, when you're like making cookie dough and like the, the sugar, vanilla and butter, like you're just creaming that. I just eat a big spoonful of that, you know? I'm sorry, but cookie dough, I can't. You like raw cookie dough? No. Do you like brownie batter? Yeah, brownie batter. Okay, good. okay. We can go with brownie batter then. <laughs> I mean, cookie dough is okay, but then it's like, if it's like warm, you know, and then like. Yeah, no, not warm, not warm. Oh, that is the worst ever. Yeah, no, that's awful. Well, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being on. Um. I liked having you. So why don't you say your socials again so people know where to find you? So on Instagram and TikTok, it's M's, E-M-S underscore food mems, M-E-M-S, like food memories, you know? Yeah. That's that. I also have a personal Instagram, but that's linked in my bio and you don't have to follow that, but you can if you want to stalk me (laughs) like so many random people. Quick little plug. (laughs) Okay, well, that's all I have to say. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for coming on. Guys, go give Emma a follow. She's definitely someone someone worth it.